Welcome back to the Legal Diaries podcast. We chat about everything from small business to sustainability and mindset, law to health, finances to relationships. We want to provide you with the practical and actionable steps to smash your goals. So grab a drink, sit back and get ready to build your empire with Legal Diaries. Um, hello everyone and welcome back to another Legal Diaries podcast. I'm super excited today to be joined by um, Emily Ballesteros. She is a burnout management coach who helps the busy professional create work-life balance so that they can have time and energy to enjoy their lives. It sounds so utopian. I'm like, I want this in my life. <laughs> um, so I might just hand over to Emily maybe to give us some more information about her and introduce herself. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for having me. And just to give kind of a background into how this niche even exists is um, I was working full time. I was in graduate school full time. I was coaching part time. I was commuting two to three hours a day for two years. um, And I was experiencing burnout by volume. There's three types of burnout. The first is by volume being booked back to back to back running on empty. Um, Then there's burnout by socialization. That's common in people pleasers who struggle to set boundaries. And then there is burnout by boredom, which is being generally uninspired by your life and just feeling like you're quote unquote stuck. And so I was experiencing burnout by volume and could not find training anywhere. I was working in corporate training and development, had so much faith in training and could not find any comprehensive resources on burnout management. So I just hired a number of business coaches, um, knew how to do the training already, already had coaching experience through a platform and decided to just create it. So that's how I got here. And now I work with a variety of um, different industries and individuals who all struggle with essentially the same um, kind of burnout core issues that stem from time management stress management boundaries those sorts of things it's so literally you were like talking about it and I was like okay I have number one I've had number two before (laughs) um so like what you've kind of covered it but the thing that was very new to me is like what is like a burnout manager so like what what do you do and for anyone listening it's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so all transformative coaching programs or most programs are made up of three elements. There's education. So for that portion, I make sure that I have comprehensive video modules that are self-paced so that people have all the material before we actually meet and I coach them. So we're speaking the same language. Um, and then there's implementation, which each of those videos come with worksheets so that they're actually implementing all of the different um, items into whatever it would look like customized for them in their career career. And then the last is support. And that is where I come in and I help them create more customized solutions and they can bounce ideas off of me based on just my experience with working within that industry and other industries. And those three elements combined are what make up my most comprehensive program option. But essentially, I give them all of the materials ahead of time, teach them how to implement them. And then I coach them about an hour a week, depending on how they're working with me. Oh, that's so interesting because that's like, because usually people, you just hop right into coaching and other kind of practices. Whereas when I do that for say, I've never done this kind of stuff, but say even for, I don't know, like personal training or nutritionist, when you hop right in, you're like, okay, you're the expert. You just tell me what I have to do. And they're like, well, no, I need information from you. And I'm like, I don't feel prepared. I like being prepared (laughs) for things. Yes, absolutely. And you kind of touched on like in your introduction, what exactly is burnout? And you touched on the three um, types, which I actually, I I knew from kind of reading beforehand that there were different kind of types of burnout. Um, But it wasn't until I kind of came across your platform that I kind of learned the three say types per se and how they were broken down. Um, So would you be able to give maybe a more kind of comprehensive overview for those listening on the three kind of different types? And then one thing I always find really interesting following on from that, are there particular type of people who were more inclined to get burnt out? Like I'm definitely one of those people, I would say. Um, But yeah, maybe if we just start with the kind of give a broader kind of overview of the three types that you, you touched on at the start. Yeah, absolutely. And then great follow-up question. That is usually what it leads into is not only um, are these the types of burnout, these are the people predisposed to kind of uh, end up there. So 
the three types are um, the first is by volume and that is the complete feeling of detachment because you are out of resources. Like at that point, you're giving everything every day. And if a friend asks to see you on the weekend, it's not even their fault, but you're so resentful. You're like, oh, how dare you ask for the last of my resources? Like I, and put me in the position to have to say no. And um, usually that ends up in just a feeling of something has to go because I, it's not that I'm not managing my time well, it's just that there's too much for one person to do sustainably for a long period of time. Um, and then there is burnout by boredom. And this is just that overwhelming sense of, I wake up every day and I dread my day. Like I, whether or not it's because of people or things, I don't look forward to anything in my life. Um, if you told me my life is gonna look like what it looks like right now, two years from now, that person would like have a full on panic attack because they're like, oh, absolutely not. Like this is not how I wanna be living my life, but I don't know where to start in changing that. Um, and then there's the social burnout, which is common in people pleasers and stems from a lot of times people pleasers end up attracting takers and because they're givers and they don't know where those resources end. A lot of times people pleasers grew up in households where complete availability and always saying yes got them love and connection and saying no got them reprimanded and so they're still uncomfortable as adults saying no to people. Um, and so those are the three main types. And then the types of people that are either predisposed towards one of those um, or just has this type of mentality that would lead them towards burnout as well is first high achievers. Anybody who kind of bases their self-worth on their performance and a day where they do a lot of things, they consider themselves good. And a day where they do nothing, they consider themselves bad. So they're trying to do themselves into being, um, which being is just being, you don't have to do anything to be, but high achievers are so like production based and performance based that they don't see that disconnect. Um, and then there are people who, um, the word is escaping me, and then people pleasers, actually, that's just the uh, essence of that social burnout. But anybody who feels like they would rather be uncomfortable to make somebody else uncomfortable is at risk of burning out. And then the last is people who are experiencing a victim mindset or learned helplessness where they're like, this sucks, but I've already tried things before and it didn't work. So now anytime I see a new solution, I'm going to poke holes in it, be a quote unquote realist. And like, it's not going to work for me. This is just how it is. And everything that comes up is just, they frame it as another problem instead of a potential solution. And for those people, I often say the quote, what you're not changing, you're choosing. And they really hate that because nobody wants to look around their life and be like, I chose all of this. I don't like any of it. What do you mean I chose all of this? Um, and so, but that is one of the primary types of people that ends up burnt out and they know that they are their worst enemy in that case. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was like, tick. <laughs> like I'm definitely like I'm I'm definitely like a hybrid of the the volume and social like I tend to take a lot of stuff on like my boyfriend so I was in a similar situation where like I kind of still am but I'm not I'm not really um it's like I'm living in denial now um my puppy just ran in sorry oh, um <laughs> um the so I my boyfriend when I finished um so sorry, I was I was qualifying as a lawyer in Ireland. So I was qualifying for the bar in Ireland, but I was also working full time, studying part time for that and then working part time as well. And then I was doing other projects. So I when you were talking about your situation that got you to here, I was like, oh, my God, that, that's basically what I was doing. Yes. Um, so when I finished that, so I got called to the bar in September 2020 so not that long ago and when everything was kind of like finished with my kind of academia and I could breathe my boyfriend was like okay now you've always lived your life in fifth gear now you need to go back to like third gear and I was like yeah that sounds good but like I've just added more volume in <laughs> um but yeah and then like the the kind of the people who are more kind of predisposed to being to burnout like I've always been a super like high achiever type of person I don't know if it's because I'm the eldest in my family I don't know it just I think I think there are certain like within a kind of family framework as well like yes. depending on where you fall you might be better more predisposed to like be a certain way like I find say my brother who's the 
the baby like there's only two of us he would probably fall into the third category and be more kind of like helplessness and stuff like that whereas I would be like the okay no but I have to do this this and this and yeah no yeah. that that that's so interesting um and then so like one thing that I found really interesting about your platform is how you kind of merge so like how you talk about kind of the indicators for burnout and one of the hilarious kind of ones, um, your TikTok, I think it, it went pretty viral was the one that was talking about the kind of the red flags in the workplace where people are like, oh, I'm going to go get dinner, but I'll be back at eight or like, <laughs> I'm not going to leave. So like, what are the kind of red flag indicators, A, personally, so for you personally that you are kind of burnt out and B, in a workplace so that it's your workplace that is also kind of feeding into that what are the red flags for those yeah definitely so um as far as I'll start with the workplace one because then it like kind of trickles down anytime you like are pointing at the company culture constantly and you're like that's just how it is here like it's just really busy you can keep up or you can leave that culture precedes you, that culture will probably exist after you and it would take more from you to try to change it than it would, like, than it's worth in the time span of your career. So when there, it comes down to people making you feel like if you just worked harder then you wouldn't have this problem, that's a staffing problem, that's a work distribution problem, that is somebody else in the company's problem who's probably getting paid a lot more than you who just hasn't fixed the problem because it hasn't, the system hasn't completely broken down because they don't have a problem right now. You have a problem and they have a solution and it's that they can basically bully you into taking on more and more work and being holding yourself responsible for the company's well-being. And usually in those cases, there's also toxic social culture where everybody's overly dependent on each other and everybody is tired and it, it feels like, well, I can't complain because everyone is suffering. So it's not my place to struggle. Everybody is just like this right now. And once you've gotten to that place, um, you're, you're basically just daily compensating for whatever it is, convincing yourself that it's reasonable what they're asking of you. Mm -hmm. um, and then personally, I would just, well, I do a gut check like every day because I do a morning meeting with myself before I even start my work where I just jot down everything that I know needs to get done. Um, and I think if a lot of people did that in professional settings, whatever their work is, um, then they would just have a really clear idea of like, these are my actual responsibilities that I know I need to focus on. And then if at the end of every single day, you're like, I didn't do any of those. I didn't get to any of those because other people kept interrupting, other people kept asking for things that weren't in my initial responsibilities then you can recognize like this job is kind of out of my control um, and then you from there decide is this a job that aligns with me now and in the future do I see a future here but just that daily check-in of am I even doing what I intend to do yeah that's super interesting because I'm such a yes person in work as well because I work in quite a small so I especially because I work in in not-for-profit as well so I work in a kind of area of law where everyone that works in it their personality is the people that gravitate towards it are like I don't want to say they're caregivers and stereotype but we're we're quite nice people and like we, we we're all and we're we're such a small workplace that things tend to get like shared out but I had my appraisal um just before the kind of new year so the, December time, uh, 2020. Um, and one of the questions on my like pre form, pre the form I filled out before I went into my appraisal with my manager was, does my job description reflect my role and what I currently do? Um, and it was so funny because there was like four things that I had just taken on that were not, and they're not like little things. They were like, oh, overhaul comms or do policy or take on one of our specific programs. We five kind of key services. So take on one of our services on top of my workload already. So I think, yeah. So I think it's definitely interesting to do that gut check and to figure out kind of, well, what are my priorities for the day or my non-negotiables? And I've actually started just time blocking my calendar. So I'll put myself in as busy and I'm like, well, they can see I'm busy. So that's why I'm not responding to everyone's emails. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. A lot of times email, it's like, sorry, I couldn't go back to your email. I was doing my job and we just don't use that language, but email is not your job. Very few jobs is email actually your job, but usually it's just a distraction, just like texting is a distraction when you're doing anything else in a normal day. 
Yeah. And like, that's one thing that I really, really struggled with when I started working remotely. So when I started to work from home and like, I'm currently still predominantly working from home because it just hasn't really got better in Ireland, unfortunately. Um, and a lot of people are like, it's the new reality for a lot of people. But I had this mentality in my own head and I brought it up with kind of my, my superiors and work where if I wasn't, so obviously if you work in an open office plan, people can see you physically doing your work. Whereas when I was working from home, I'm like, wait, if I'm not on my email or if I'm not logged on, are they going to think that I'm not doing my work? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is a thing that people are really struggling with in the 21st century. Like I will schedule time in my day to do my emails because that will often set my priorities but in nowhere in my job description does it go you need to spend five hours a day just doing emails yeah absolutely definitely yeah no and then so one thing um then uh if we kind of move towards kind of speaking of say like um workplace the the nature of the workplace and everything um that i find really interesting on your platform is your focus in on the eight hour work week and how it's just like why does it exist anymore and it doesn't suit so for anyone listening I think it'd be great if you could give kind of an overview of like where because until I came across your platform I knew it was a thing but I was like didn't know the history and where it came from um so maybe if you could give us kind of like speed stop tour of that yeah, absolutely. So um, the eight-hour workday was um, fought for by fought for by um, kind of early labor movements, which we like negotiated down to the eight-hour workday, and that was in about the 1800s. And then Ford popularized the eight-hour workday in 1926, I believe it was, and he was one of the first large industry leaders to impress this working schedule. Um, it wasn't necessarily altruistic, but he was the one to popularize it. And um, since then. Everything about how we do work has changed, um, except for this framework, the structure that we use. We have more technology that allows work to follow us home. We're constantly um, available because we have our phones and our emails to our phones. We're commuting hours a day, whereas that was not what people were doing back then. Back then, women were caretakers and they were home and like taking care of all kind of the mundane things. There were not nearly as many after school activities for children and things like that. So we just have, we are the busiest that we've ever been, the most available that we've ever been, um, and nothing about the eight-hour work structure has changed um, in response to that. Some companies actually, I shouldn't say that, some companies have been good about modernizing and figuring out what works best for their industry in particular, but until everybody does that, they do like an overhaul of what would genuinely be best as opposed to what's always been done, then we're not working as well as we possibly could. That's so interesting because it's always a fault. I've I've never thought of it like in a work sense until kind of you kind of started me thinking of it. But I've always thought about it in a school sense. I've always been like, well, why do children have to learn between the times of like nine and three? I'm like, are they actually optimal times for children to be going in and sitting in a classroom environment and learning and doing all this? But then I was like, I never thought of it outside of that. And then I started to think of the work week because... I have now the flexibility. We have kind of core hours where I work. So there's kind of core hours where you you need to kind of be in just because we're a small office. But I started to kind of move my schedule around because I'm a morning worker. So rather than start at like half nine when our office actually officially opens at 9.30, I could start at like 7.30. And that suited me a lot better because I'm awake. I'm not just going to be sitting around doing nothing for X. And previously to that I would have been commuting into the office and doing all that so I now have that chunk of time um and one thing you touched on which I think is is really important is like we're busier than ever and that kind of brings me on to my next kind of topic which I think is huge ever since I've like got into kind of employment and stuff is this kind of thing of like a hustle culture Mm -hmm. um what's so like what how did I think there's a certain kind of aspect of being burnt out is an attractive trait to have. Mm -hmm. And if you're not like constantly saying, oh, I'm just really busy. Like, what are you doing with your life? So like, what are you, what's your perspective on that kind of hustle culture and like where it came from and like how it's kind of leading people to be burnt out? Yeah. Yeah. So 
So I think that hustles culture really started when we started seeing so many emerging entrepreneurs and it really became clear, like if you hustle hard enough, college degree or not, you can become a millionaire. And it seems like the like success or struggle equals success. And the only thing between you and being really successful is like being working so hard that you're exhausted every day. And we believe in this so fully that if we see a multimillionaire who doesn't wake up until 1 p.m. because he doesn't feel like it, and then he works in his best hours, which might be between 6 p.m. and 3 a.m., people disagree with what they're doing because you don't see as much of the struggle and so you don't like to see the success. We like to see those things coincide. And so in being really busy and in having the identity of somebody who's always working, you kind of try to mirror that feeling of like success. Cause it's like, well, I'm doing all of the doing, but I'm, where's the being of the successful. And, um, I think people just strive for that and that's what they're trying to do. And they just aren't like at grips with the reality of you can be successful without being miserable, but you have to just like make do less better instead of constantly doing more like really high up leaders. Um, there's a book called game changers by Dave Asprey. That's really good. And, um, he talks about how most leaders don't report running out of opportunities. They report drowning in a sea of opportunities. Cause once you're at a certain skill level, like everybody wants to do things with you, you're not going to run out. And a lot of people also have that FOMO of like, well, if I don't take this opportunity, cause you know, we're told take every opportunity, if I don't take this opportunity, then what if that was the one that got me to the next place? And it's this like faithless cycle of, I have to do everything. And maybe that'll get me where I need to go instead of, I just need to focus on something sustainably so I can get far enough that I have a lifestyle and a life that I'm happy with. Yeah. And that's so true though, because like, it's now I like, for me, I think it's like a personality trait to be busy. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, like you're sad, you're happy, you're busy. Like, it's kind of like one of those things. Like, and I like, I'm really guilty of it as well. Like friends will message me and be like, Hey, how are you? And I'll be like, Oh, I'm good. Just really busy. And like, that's, that's everyone's kind of like generic response. Um, you touched on something where you were saying like, that kind of hustle culture and that feeling that you just have to grind it out and be miserable. Um, and then you get your kind of your rewards or, or, or anything. Do you think that in your kind of work or kind of with the people that you've met through your work, is there such a thing as a healthy job out there or is there, does it just very much depend on you as the person? Yeah. So I have seen, I think that there are healthy jobs out there to just first answer that. Um, and one of the companies that I previously worked for, for example, like something they did was you worked 37.5 hours a week instead of 40 and they let you stick to that. And people didn't guilt each other if they were like, all right, well, that's my 37.5. I hit it early. So I'm leaving early on a Friday. Like that culture was healthy and everybody um, for the most part was interested in what they were doing and it gave them the lifestyle that they enjoyed. And I worked on a healthy team. So that was everything that you could want um, in a role. And I see people who have healthy roles, but it comes down to like, they storytell a lot. So they, their stress management is poor or they um, aren't, their personal care is like non-existent. They might like their job, but they go home and they're everyone's caretaker and they don't do the things that they know that they want to be doing with their time. So they're still unsatisfied. So you can have a healthy environment and then still not treat yourself the way that you need to in order to stay out of burnout. Yeah, I think I'm definitely guilty of that because I work, some of my friends, when they see like a really good example um, is I my second year working where I'm currently working um I got um quite sick I actually got chicken pox which is really crazy in my like I was like 26 20 I'd never had it as like a kid um and I got really sick and I remember um talking to my friends and stuff and I felt really bad like I was sending like when I was corresponding with my boss being like look there's no way I can come in obviously because I'm really contagious I have chicken pox and I'm really sorry I'm really apologetic and my manager texted me back she was the loveliest woman um she messaged me back and she was just like you know what you look after you and don't come back to us until you're feeling absolutely 100% and I remember saying this to one of my friends and she was like you work in like the nicest workplaces in like the whole of Ireland and I was just like yeah and then the more I kind of think about it and when I was talking to my manager about that problem of feeling like I always have to be on in a way to kind of prove that I am working while remote working it's not a stress coming from my job it's like an inner kind of personality trait that I've just 
built yeah. up over time. Um, and like, how do you say if you have someone that you're coaching that is in that healthy job environment and has all those kind of mechanisms put in place for them to have that balance, but they are say like me and they are always on or a high achiever. How can you like dissociate from that or kind of become like a well-balanced kind of healthy person? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Unfortunately, um, it comes down to mindset. It yeah. comes down to like, you can give someone all the tools and they can do everything. But if at the end of the day in their mind, they still believe fully, like I, if I were more available, I would be a better employee or like I, what I did wasn't enough. Like, even though I checked off all the boxes, I could have done more. If you don't catch and then correct every single one of those thoughts, then you'll keep going through the same patterns and cycles. So it's just catching. Like if I have a thought on a Saturday where I'm like, oh, I could get a head start on that thing. My alternative thought that I had to like program into myself because I try to catch all of those thoughts that just don't serve me. Um, my alternative thought is at the end of my life, what am I going to look back and wish I did more of? And it's almost always like, I'll wish that I spent quality time with my fiance. I'll wish that I read this really great book. I'll wish that I like did something I enjoyed. I don't think anybody's going to get to the end of their life and wish they worked more. Um, even if they have their own business, like you can love what you do and still need leisure and still need things where you turn your like thinking brain off and you're just enjoying things. So it's catching every single one of those intrusive thoughts and then correcting it with the person that you want to be and the way that you want to be. Yeah, I kind of like, it, it sounds bad, but in order to kind of self-serve my, um, not feeling like I'm not doing anything, I always have this mentality of, um, like if, if I'm a caregiver, so say I look after some needs in my family, I can't like pour out of an empty cup. So <laughs> if I'm like killing myself and working, always working overtime and doing this, that and the other, well then I can't segment myself to all my other kind of roles. And that's like the fiance, the girlfriend, the boyfriend, all of like, <laughs> they're all kind of hats that we all wear. So if you're an empty cup, you can't like fill those up as well. Definitely. And we are like finally outgrowing that like to be as like selfless and sacrificing means you are good. And if you don't do those things, if you're not sacrificing or you it, like it's seen as selfish to like choose to take care of yourself mm. over somebody else, then that somehow makes you bad. And that's absolutely not true. Everything in your life stems from you. And I usually clarify at that point, like I'm not saying don't be a good person. I'm not saying don't go help people, but it is so much better to help people and not be resentful the entire time that you're there. Because yeah. The point of going and like volunteering with children, if the your entire time you're like, I hate this. I hate these children. Like I need to be home. I need to be asleep. I need to be grocery shopping to do things and not be resentful because it's not in alignment with what you currently need is way more self-aware and fulfilling than think like checking off all of the boxes you think you need to that don't align with you yeah and that's like I think you need to kind of come back and reflect and really kind of see what your like what drives you and like and though and most of the time it's like your relationships with people your like time spent and stuff like that because like touching back even on something that you said at the start like you don't want to spend time with that one friend at the weekend and resent spending time with them because you're like oh you're taking my only three hours that I had free all weekend you want to yeah. be able to like embrace those relationships and have yeah. that time to like make memories and spend with that person yeah definitely and that's a great point that you made where it's like it's it's your value system and that's why some people do love working 24 seven mm -hmm. because their values, one of some of their core values are like money and status and power. And that's totally fine. If those are your values own it, but know that those aren't other people's values. If you're working in a startup, for example, and you know that the, your values are being able to say that you work in a startup and like be busy all the time and you're making a lot of money. So it's worth it to you. Then that's probably fine. But if you're working in a startup and your top values are freedom and you have none, cause you're always working and relationships mm. and all of your relationships are suffering, then that is not the job for you. Um, so you just have to like be aware in every area of life. Like, am I doing this because I have to, or am I doing this because this actually aligns with my values? 
Yeah. And I think it's a really good, I've started the older I've gotten, um, I've started to kind of do an audit of those things being like, and it's the same kind of like opportunity. So as I've started to grow and develop um, my own business, I've kind of had to, you kind of have to audit every opportunity that comes in because you want to say yes. And you want to be like, yeah, I really want to do like, for example, when I reached out to you to do the podcast, you would have had to take a step back and figure out if it was a thing that you wanted to do, if it fitted in with like, exactly or what the message and stuff um and like I have to do the same like the the more my kind of platform is growing now it's not growing that much but the more it's growing the more people that will reach out to me and say oh I really want to collab with you I really want to do this and you have to kind of see is it going to help you and your goals and your values in the long run or are mm-hmm. you just saying yes because you think you won't get that opportunity in the future yeah absolutely yeah and then one thing you touched on earlier which I love and it's a thing that I've tried to start doing in my kind of everyday life I love efficiency um and um I think it's really interesting and I definitely must um take a look at that book Game Changers but like how can someone make themselves so how can we improve our efficiency our everyday efficiency and our focus so instead of spending three hours over one task, get it maybe done within an hour. Yeah. So my first suggestion is always automation. Um, I think that any, so anytime you say every time, that's a place for you to create an automation. So you don't have to re-explain that training so that you already have an email template for that question you always get so that you have a directory that you send somebody and say, you asked about a b so that's your that's your guy um and so you can do that in your work you can do that in your personal life um so i have a recurring grocery list i know what i'm gonna have i just pick out based on the meals i want that week it's got like the ingredients i'm gonna need listed right next to it and i can either order them or i can go pick them up i don't have to think about it i know when i'm doing my laundry i know um because i have like you know, sanitary Saturday. So it's like, that's when big things are done. Um, I know when everything's getting done, that allows me to live a well-balanced life and that allows me to do good work. And it's when I'm compromising on those things or when I'm suddenly, um, my automations are off that I'm like, oh shit, I don't have any groceries for the week. Or like, oh, I, my calendar for the week is completely booked because I forgot to, um, I don't know, like X, Y, Z. So having that awareness, having those automations, knowing what you don't actually need to do every single day and that you can get away with doing a little bit more work up front so you don't do it the rest of the time is huge. Yeah. And like email templates for anyone listening is like the best thing ever because I have kind of campaigns um, that I run and the things that people have to put in to do a blog post for the campaign is the exact same thing. So when I have an email template um, and even I'm so intrigued by um um sanitary Saturday sanitary Saturday. It's such a, like a like fun. It kind of makes it sound fun. I'm such a clean freak yeah. and efficiency, yeah. but uh, um, but like I've kind of got more into that mentality. Like even something very simple that I've started doing is if I go to a dentist appointment, a hair appointment, anything, and they're like, "Oh, do you want to book in for your next one?" I'm like, "Yes." I'm like, at least that's done. And I don't need to think about then yeah. ringing ahead. Whereas before you were like, oh, will I, will I be here? And I'm like, you can always cancel something if something yeah. else comes up. But the fact that it's done straight that's away cool. is, is, is so much better. Um, bar kind of automation, do you have any other kind of efficiency kind of tips that people can implement? So the biggest areas that I see people um, end up kind of neglecting just like personally so that it, it kind of ends up compromising their quality of life is mostly food. Uh, mostly people are like, I've drank three coffees and it's 2 p.m. So I don't know why I'm so angry and like all my work seems harder. And it's usually just because they don't have something super easy that they can grab for each meal or like order a meal service or like get those little smoothie cups. Like you can get almost anything. All you have to do for oatmeal is pour some hot water. And like, there's always things you can do to utilize that. Um, and then in work, just create windows of time that you know you're going to do recurring tasks because you're going to have to do those every week and uh, try to use gamification as much as possible, which is making things seem like a game. So if you know you hate 
I don't know, doing invoices, you have to do that once a month. Um, instead of saving it all for the end of the month and dreading it, you just do three hours every Friday, every Friday morning, and you go and you get yourself a nice coffee to do it. And then once it's done, you give yourself an hour break to go do a class that you like, and then you come back. So it's like you're reinforcing it with something you enjoy, and then also a secondary reward at the end. So using gamification for things at work that are reoccurring. And then what else do people struggle with? Those are the two big ones, because a lot of times people feel lack of um, support at home because basic needs aren't met and then at work when there's unpredictability. So I'm going to leave it at those. And if another one comes to me, I'll share it. Uh, but yeah, I know the big thing that I always like that always falls off line is like food and fitness. It's like, oh, that's just me that I need to look after. That's no problem. That's yeah. only me. Whereas I'm like, whereas like my boyfriend, when he was like, he used to have, um, uh, and I used to think he was crazy. He had like five or six set meals. Like those are his meals for the week. He didn't have to put any thought into it. He knew what his grocery list was. Whereas I'd come home and I'd be like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to have for dinner. And I'm really too like, I don't have the energy to make anything. And then I have something like eggs and I'm like, eggs aren't a dinner, but it's like, I don't have the energy to, to put time into it. And it's even like simple things like isn't it like Mark Zuckerberg also does that thing where he just wears the same thing and Steve Jobs had it and like take out as many variables. Yeah, definitely. You have a decision budget. I think it's actually talked about in the Game Changers book, but you have a decision budget where you're out of cognitive energy to make the best decisions possible by the end of the day. So that is when a lot of people are like, well, I was, I was going to work out tonight, but now I don't want to because I did all these other things during the day. And that's why people will say, like, do the hardest things first, because if you don't feel like doing them first thing in the morning, you're definitely not going to feel like doing them after your entire day of work and other things. So, um, yeah, decision budget is real. Yeah, because I know I'm, I'm definitely one of those people. If I don't work out in the morning, there's no point in lying to myself and telling <laughs> me I'm going to do it in the evening because I can like hype myself up, but it's just not going to happen in the yeah. evening. Um, and just kind of bringing that back to kind of um so we talked about efficiency but if we kind of move it to maybe more kind of self-care um one thing I loved was you did a post about five personal kind of self-care pointers um which I found just really interesting um because self-care is like cool now which is great like it's you're allowed to be selfish and you're allowed to take time to look after yourself. So yeah. what what are these pointers and then how can we implement them in everyday life? Yeah. Um, shoot, I do not have them memorized. <laughs> I don't know. Oh no, you're fine. Okay. If you have them in front of you, feel free to read them and I can elaborate on them. If not, I have like three pillars that I'm happy to walk through. Perfect. I have them here. If my phone. I bet I have them on mine as well. Sorry to spring that on you. I wish no, I you're fine. All the content memorized. Uh, the six ways to improve efficiency and focus. It's um, it's like the five pillars of personal. Don't worry, I edit this podcast, so we'll see. Really <laughs> prepared. <fine>. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just looking at my images. Um, something is better than. Is it this one? Yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the five personal care pointers. The first is just that something is better than nothing and five minutes of like picking up is better than doing nothing at all and letting it build up and then putting it off because you feel even more resistance um, that people can't read your mind. So it is entirely 100% just your responsibility to communicate your needs. Um, and a lot of times people don't want that. They want to just like kind of silently brood, but passive aggression is the longest road to disappointment. Um, I recommend creating physical charts and reminders. So many people rely on their short-term memory for absolutely no reason, and it just ends up creating more cognitive load and emotional load throughout the day, and that's not worth it. So write everything down and then create charts that you can give yourself little stars or something. I have like fully grown adults who make so much money who I now have them have star charts because they need the physical cues, and that's what oh, apps wow. do 
there's a book called Hooked that's really good and it's about how to create an addictive service and it um, talks about how most apps have like a don't break the chain which is like you've um, been playing for 32 days don't break the streak make sure you play today and that gets people because we have what's called sunk cost bias where if we've put effort into something then we are more resistant to not doing it again because we've already been putting effort into it so um, and that goes into how people have trouble leaving bad relationships because they've already put so much effort into it abandoning projects because it's not fruitful but they've already been putting effort into it finishing a bad book finishing a bad meal things like that mm -hmm. and then listening to your body because sometimes you need sleep more than you need to work out more than you need to see friends more than you need to catch up on work um, and then that you just don't have to earn rest um, a lot of us grow up kind of um, learning, which I mean, it's not a bad lesson to learn, but learning you can go play once you finish your chores, once you finish your homework, and then you become an adult and you're like, well, I should work, do all my work first thing in the morning so that later tonight, all of my work is done and I can actually like exhale and rest. And a lot of people can't fully exhale and rest unless they know all of their things are taken care of first. It doesn't feel like fully resting. Um, and that again, is just another mentality thing you have to end up working around. Cause I know I still struggle with that sometimes. Um, no, if I know I'm going to be working later then I'm not in full, I'm still kind of on cause I'm anticipating being on. So mm. it's a big one. Yeah. And I think being one thing that kind of leads to that is I've started to be tell myself, okay, you need to be really realistic with your to-do list at the start of the day, because I'm a such a like visual person. So if I haven't ticked something off, it's going to annoy me, even though I know I don't have capacity to do it today. So you need to be, and that's where I find time blocking really handy because I'm like, okay, I know this task is going to take me two hours to do, but I need to be realistic. Like I'm not going to get it out in 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think the, the one that I, I kind of laughed at when I like read the post just cause I've, I've definitely had periods in my life where people have been around me and I've been annoyed that they haven't known that I've been <laughs> tired or burnt out or annoyed, but like I haven't communicated it with them. So <laughs> how are they going to know all of these things and that I have these needs? Um, and I think that is one big thing that we all struggle with is we just don't communicate and say, I can't do that, or I don't have time, or like we have kind of like a, either a fear of missing out on things or like a fear of letting people down. Yeah. And letting yeah. people know that we're not like superhuman like so many yeah. people are human and it's like if I admit this one time that I can't do this thing like they're gonna see me as not superhuman and I don't know what the benefits are of being seen that way besides people not being afraid to give you more work to do but yeah it's just um like so many people don't want to ask for help just because they see it as weakness or maybe they grew up with parents who never asked for help or they were told like if you can do it by yourself don't bother anybody else things like that yeah, definitely. Um, and that kind of leads me into kind of my final kind of question to tie it all back. So obviously we've talked about some really good things that people can implement and they can do. We are in currently in the season of goal setting. Like it's the big thing to do because we're in January, start of a new year. Um, a lot of people probably didn't accomplish quite a lot off their list because of the whole kind of um, circumstances in the world. So when we are goal setting, how do we make sure that those goals are sustainable? So we're not like shooting for the stars and just like landing among, or no, shooting for the moon and landing amongst the stars. Yeah. So my favorite, I have a variety of ways that I goal set because that's just my entire brand, but something that is just like the concise way of doing it is look at the five areas of life. So like sit down, give yourself, set like a 15 minute timer, play some upbeat music, make yourself like an iced coffee or something. Um, and like just my description of that, enhance all your experiences. If something's already boring, don't make it worse. Like I was talking to one of my clients and she's like, well, after when I ride my bicycle for exercise, I also make myself listen to like an educational video or something. I'm like, oh, like that's already a terrible thing you're making yourself do and you're making it worse. Watch a show you love. Tell yourself you're going to get a chocolate shake after. Like tell yourself after you do it for 30 days that you're going to get yourself that top you really want. Like enhance these things. Don't make them harder. So um, the first thing you're going to do is the five areas of life are business. So what you do, how you do it, 
health, mental, physical, emotional, social, all of your relationships, lifestyle, how you're living your everyday life, your experiences and environments, and then personal, that's development, goals, hobbies. And in each of those areas, write down your ideal circumstances, like the top things you would want to happen just in your overall life. Um, don't like limit yourself there. And then pick out your favorite ones. And for each of those, write down what that would look like week to week. Like what would you actually need to do week to week to make that happen and then day to day and have that ideal. And then right next to that, have your minimum. So maybe it, like ideally, I wanna write a book. And week to week, that would look like spending five days a week writing one hour a day. But my minimum for that, because I'm realistic and some of those days I'm not gonna feel like writing for an hour, my minimum is just setting a 15 minute timer and getting anything out on that paper. Even if it's hot garbage, at least I made progress and I continued that chain so that it's easier the next day to jump back into it. And I don't look up and two months has passed and I haven't written a single word. Something in that hot garbage would have to have still been useful. Um, and just keeping that momentum, like it's up to you to keep the momentum and keep things alive. Um, or maybe like in your ideal life, you work out an hour a day, but you're realistic about some days that's just not gonna happen. So my minimum there is walking around the block for 20 minutes listening to like an audiobook I really enjoy. Um, so for each of those larger goals, have minimums that you that still check that box for you that make you feel good and like you invested in yourself and the things that are important to you, but that don't overwhelm you. And then reinforce all of those like I described by just enhancing those experiences, creating deadlines, creating rewards, creating like point systems, things like that. That's so interesting. I'm literally, I'm such a like a goal setter person. So like now I'm like, okay, I've already set my goals. Now after this call, <laughs> I need to go back and set like realistic yeah. minimums. Like what, uh -huh. one of the ones that I thought of was like working out. So today I was like, oh, well, I've, I've a lot on and I have a full day back at work. And then I was recording this podcast and other kind of business things. So I was like, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go out and do a quick walk with my dog. I was like, it's going to only going to be 20 minutes. It's not going to be that hour workout that I thought I was going to do on a month, the first Monday of January, but that can be my minimum. Like once I'm moving and seeing daylight, you're like, okay, I achieved something today. Yeah, today. Definitely. The daylight helps. It really does. The fresh air, it gets you just out of that, like desk space. Yeah. And it helps. I actually, the podcast that's coming out on this week so this thursday the what date is today so fourth fifth sixth seventh seventh of january yeah thursday the seventh but anyway this thursday um is actually with um a a a woman who kind of it like she researches all of this and she has like a phd in it and she was talking to me about because i've gotten really into like sleep cycles and good health and all of that kind of good stuff um and we were talking about it and she was just like your circadian rhythm is completely thrown off if you don't see daylight during the day and I was like that's so interesting because I could easily go days but especially because I'm not commuting where I don't actually visibly yeah. step out into daylight um so even like little things like that like sticking your head out a window to get <laughs> to get some daylight um yeah. I totally okay. recommend but yeah those okay. are those are um, some really good ones. But before we kind of finish up, um, I what's kind of next for the you and your business and what, what does 2021 look like for you? So right now um, I'm doing all of this like business planning on the side. So glad you asked. Um, <laughs> I have three offers and I have an eight week one-on-one -on -one coaching program um, that I'm just always kind of adding to. And then I have one-off calls for strategy calls if people just want that. And then I have a burnout mini course, which I was really excited to come out with. That was my first independent course because a lot of people were like, I really want your material. I, I don't really want to talk to you. Like I'm not interested. I'd like it to be self-paced so that if I do half of it, like that's fine. And they, they just like part ways with the course at that point. Um, but I'm coming out with another course. The last one is on all burnout. This one will be just focusing on boundaries because that's such, such a big topic. So, um, I'm coming out with more independent mini courses and, um, what else am I doing this year? That's like my big goal, that and writing, finishing my book. I've been working on a book for a little while, so oh. I'm publish that. And those, I guess, are my quarter one goals. And then I'm just going to kind of see where I'm at at the beginning of quarter two and 
try to uh, yeah. <laughs> be creative from there. Yeah, kind of take stock and figure out kind of what, what still you have to do. That um, boundaries one, I'd say, I must keep an eye out. I'd say that will be interesting because you have a situation at the moment where people are probably like eating, sleeping and working all within the same four walls at the moment. And yeah. um, so boundaries is like a huge thing right now. Oh yeah. So big. And so many people like, they never teach this in school. Like I, even I had to learn it the hard way, but I fortunately boundaries, I grew up with pushy people. Um, I say with so much love in my heart, but now if I don't even hear guilt messages, if somebody's like, Oh, please come on. And I'm like, Oh no, still no. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I've, I've tuned those out. Um, yeah. And yeah, if you want to just give a shout out to where people can kind of keep track of all of that good stuff that you have coming in 2021. Yeah. So you can either go to burnoutmanagementprogram.com or you can see all of my social media handles are Emily B. Ruth. Um, and that's, I primarily post on Instagram, TikTok, and um, those are actually my primary social medias. I used to post on LinkedIn, but it's very formal there. And I like to swear and post colorful things. So it wasn't really my environment. <laughs> I always toy so much with my kind of platform, um, especially because I'm actually launched, officially launching my business this month. But um, when Ooh. I'm like, what? Yeah. When I'm like, what do I post on LinkedIn? So I do like my legal diary series where I talk about like career trajectory and stuff. Cause I'm like, oh, that's old that's that's pc and off i can go on linkedin but when you want to like give out about things or swear or do that you're like mm, i can't really post that on linkedin yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah thank you so much um for coming on board it's been such an interesting conversation i agree thank you i love your uh personal take on burnout and just your experience in it you're in a high burnout field so not surprised yeah. you're a high achiever and uh you've experienced some of this stuff Oh yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's, it's just a millennial thing. And I know that sounds so basic of me to say, but it's just, it's so different for, and I always try to tell this to my parents. Like when I talk about doing um, an unpaid internship, when I started going into all that kind of environment soon after I finished my undergrad, my parents were like, what? work for free and I was just like that's the environment now like if I don't do that I'm not gonna get any opportunity like they were just appalled at this fact they were like well we think you should go find a paid job and I'm like well I'm not gonna get that paid job if I don't yeah. do the unpaid job yeah definitely a degree guarantees you like pretty much nothing nowadays which is devastating as I say with multiple degrees devastated but it's it's true it's yeah it's it's, it's so sad but yeah thanks so much Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this Legal Diaries podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you found this podcast helpful or interesting, it would be absolutely amazing if you could spread the love and share it with your friends and family and on your social media accounts. Please make sure to tag us if you do. We are an independent podcast run by the three ladies behind the Legal Diaries platform and business. So it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For more Legal Diaries content, please do check us out on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search at legaldiaries.ie and give us a follow. Until next time, Le Gras, the Legal Diaries ladies.